And hello and welcome everyone to the comic multiverse where the worlds of nerd meet. I am, of course, as always, your host, Joel. It's our 120th episode, Matt. 120 episodes. Feels like only like a couple of weeks ago we were doing like episode 100. I know, it really, really does. Time moves fast when you're a podcaster like us. It's a, it's a special anniversary, of course. What, what did you get me, Matt, for this special anniversary episode that I'm pulling out of my ass right now? <laughs> I got you an episode that doesn't have a lot of news. No, 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 no. Our cup runneth over the last little bit with big movie news, with big uh, comic news from New York Comic Con. It's just we're... We got the little crumbs this week, Matt, but you know that's not to say we won't have a good show anyway, and it's not to say we won't actually talk about uh, what we read this week. Definitely. It's been a while since we've actually talked about what we've read. It really, really has been. And for those who are wondering, hey, when are you going to do your Daredevil spoiler cast? Uh, When we're done, hopefully next week, or when I'm done. I'm sure Matt's already done. Yeah, I'm finished. I'm I'm always the (laughs) slowpoke. Who the fuck am I kidding? (laughs) It's easier because it was 13 episodes this time. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm like five episodes in so far. I've had a busy week. I wasn't home for a little bit, and obviously I'm getting ready for my trip to the London, Ontario Comic-Con at the end of the week. Cool. So I'm really excited about that. If you're in the greater Toronto area, please come out and uh, say hi to me on that. I actually got confirmation on my two panels that I'm going to be running. I'm running uh, Canadian Identity in Comics on the Saturday around 3 o'clock, and then on the Sunday around noon, I'm doing comics in a digital age. So I'm actually going to have to do research Ooh. and take notes. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to prepare a speech. I'm ah, just emceeing it. That's the thing, too. you just got to keep the conversation moving and throw things over to the actual panel of professionals. Oh, that's cool. That'll be, they're both pretty interesting topics. Yeah, they are, too. And it really made me stop and wonder. I'm like, yeah, what does Canadian identity in comics mean? <laughs> This is an important question I've never given much thought of. Comics in a digital era, I think you and I both could talk about more intelligently because, well, it's what we're doing right now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's our bread and butter. <laughs> it really, really is. And uh, I don't know what we're going to do because, again, because I'm leaving on a Thursday this week and I'm not coming back till Sunday, probably late Sunday night, depending on when I get in. So maybe maybe Wednesday this week we'll have to record our Daredevil spoiler cast if I've watched it all and maybe that will be the episode. So if there's if the episode's a day late, either on YouTube or on Patreon, that uh you'll you'll know why. Yeah. It's been a long time since we've ever straight up skipped an episode. I think we only skipped it one time when I horribly burned myself and you were sick and lost your voice. Yeah, yeah, well, they, even then, I think we still had something for people. <laughs> we did, so only gravest bodily harm and injury keeps uh, us from doing this show, in case you're wondering. <laughs> and even then, I'd be like, let me take some painkillers, let's do this. <laughs> and you might need some painkillers, Matt, because this, uh, this our first story we're going to be talking about this week is really painful. This blindsided everyone this one really shocked uh the entire online comic community and that is luke cage has been canceled by netflix there will be no season three yeah so first up uh, iron fist got canceled everyone's like yeah i could see that eh. yeah everyone's like yeah, eh. and then yeah then then like literally the day after luke cage got canceled everyone's like hold up what Something something is fucky, as the trailer park yeah. would say. In fact, it gets even more weird and even more poorly timed because it's like, wait, you announced Luke, Cade's canc- uh, Luke Cage's cancellation the day Daredevil Season 3 came out. What the hell are you doing? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it doesn't seem very good. Now, <laughs> I don't know why they did that. <laughs> now, I'm no big city PR man, Matt, but in my humble opinion, you probably shouldn't announce news like that on the day you have another show coming out. No, you should probably wait till maybe the week after, once yeah, well, everyone has seen your show. Yeah, give everyone a chance to binge it, because I know some people who are already going full Chicken Little, and with good reason to be like, well, okay, the Marvel Netflix universe is dying, they're cancelling everything now, if they cancel Luke Cage, they'll cancel anything. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, though, Luke Cage, uh, while through filming Season 2, Season 3 wasn't... Uh, greenlit greenlit or anything and it been for so long even though even after season two came out and it was so well received they yeah. still didn't greenlight it that's the real shame where it's like guys did you see luke cage season two it kicked ass it was great it had one of the best new marvel villains it had an amazing yeah. ending i'm so sad and we're probably not going to see where kingpin luke is going to go now there's a lot of rumors a lot of conjecture being thrown around as to why this got canceled. The only thing we know for sure, or at least the only thing that's being sourced for sure in the official article statement about the cancellation is that, you know, uh, the, 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 that classic reason that gets brought up all the time, creative differences are what killed mm -hmm. the show. And I raise a massive eyebrow over Marvel and creative differences because I think we've seen in the past how Marvel deals with creative differences in their movies, at least. And that is, OK, you don't want to do it our way. Get out we'll get someone yeah else. yeah yeah but yeah well uh, yeah it, the the article did state that but it didn't state like in which camp was it like marvel disney netflix was it netflix against disney and marvel was it yep. the guy the showrunner of of luke cage was it yeah it calls into question the fact that we don't really know a lot of the deal that was struck between netflix and disney marvel on this one and really for lack of a better word who whose authority dick is bigger on this one and who gets <laughs> to uh, trump who in this situation I, yeah. I think the idea is is that it was, net, or at least this is what I'm hearing, and again, it could be completely wrong, and we're all rumors and conjecture right now, is that Netflix wanted to make more room, that they wanted to, you know, like, trim their show line, which they do every so often. Netflix cancels lots of shows that people like. Uh, Sense8 was a show people really loved, had a big following, and they're just like, yep, we're cutting it. Yep. So, I mean, they have a history of this. I I personally think that like the more I think about it and again this is this is total tinfoil hat thinking on this one and that is that ooh ooh maybe we should have seen the writing on the wall as soon as there was going to be no Defender season 2 because Defenders was basically Netflix saying oh we get an Avengers sized hit too right we get what you did for movies but for television but Defenders kind of underperformed what they wanted it to mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that, I think that yeah might have been the point where they're like, okay, we we can't stop production on like Punisher season two, Jessica Jones season three, Daredevil season three, but these two shows have finished. We haven't greenlit anything yet. We'll just get rid of them. Might as well end them, and that that doesn't bode well for the other ones too. Like you said, Punisher season two is a go. How Punisher that wasn't even originally part of the Netflix deal. It got greenlit mm -hmm. just on the strength of how good John Bernthal was in Daredevil season two. Jessica Jones season three that's always tested well and always got viewed well and kind of had its own little niche even within the Marvel Universe on top of it. And obviously Daredevil that's out now. I mean, they could easily just kill all of them. And in fact, it seems more likely than ever now because Disney's like, yeah, we don't need you, Netflix. We have our own app thing. That, that also could have been like another thing like 
like why would Netflix want to keep these shows around and support what is now essentially their competition? Their biggest competition, arguably. Yeah, yes. Like, why would they want to do that? Maybe, again, this is some dick measuring between them because it's not just the Marvel shows and movies that are going to be leaving Netflix. It's all the Disney stuff, too, apparently. If you want Mm -hmm. that, you got to go to the Disney one. Yep. Yeah, all the Disney, all the Star Wars stuff, all the, um, yeah, Disney movies and cartoons and stuff. It's a, it's a lot of content, which, you know, leads a lot of people to say, well, maybe, maybe you know, uh, the Disney Apple want to resurrect some of these shows and characters because obviously they own the IP. Or maybe they own the IP. Maybe it's a 50-50 mm-hmm. split. I don't know what the hell it is. Obviously, if they were to do that, they would not come back in the form that we know them as because uh, Disney has been very, uh, very straight up with the fact that they don't want to do R-rated stuff on their app. And anything that's a little bit more adult, they would send to Hulu, apparently. Yeah, it's so strange. It's just so such a strange way. Of course, it's like it's like business how businesses run. We don't really know how it all runs, but it just it's just so strange. It is, and weird timing, and just weird everything on the back. That I'm, I hope Luke Cage can live on in some form because I really want to see a conclusion to Kingpin Luke Cage. I want to see did Bushmaster ever come back and fight him? Whatever happened with that? Yeah, they, they left it on such a great like cliffhanger even even i guess like iron fist ended on like a really cool cliffhanger where like the season three could have maybe like made the show interesting or a little bit more interesting uh but yeah definitely luke cage left on like one of the biggest things that you're like oh this like kind of shakes everything up and i kind of i i originally thought like because of that position they left luke in we'd see him maybe in a role somehow in daredevil like like a one-off episode but yeah it never happened we see his lawyer we see ben donovan a lot <laughs> yeah but good on him big ben from the uh front of the luke cage comics getting to be in all these different shows i know some people have theorized well maybe if they canceled both they can bring it back as like an actual heroes for hire show an actual iron fist and power man show to which again Netflix is not developing anything new with Marvel right now, which is why you haven't heard anything new from them. And I don't think they're going to start developing anything new right now, which, again, everyone who said, well, maybe Daughters of the Dragon will be a thing, and Jeff Loeb has even mentioned that's the biggest thing that people have asked him for. I don't see it happening. In fact, I I think this is the beginning of the end, not to doom and gloom it, but that's what it seems like. Yeah, they they they're cutting these shows, and I think they'll bank on probably something else, probably um, something like The Witcher or something. They'll they'll like, oh, hopefully we'll have a hit here. We can do so much with this. Yeah, it seems it seems so weird because like you think Netflix would be happy about it because they're like, yeah, we greenlight anything and everything. Yeah. We want lots of content. This is good content that we get yearly, sometimes multiple times yearly. Mm-hmm. As seen with the Marvel shows this year, we got Iron Fist and daredevil so close together that's okay matt i'm sure stranger things season three will be great (laughs) that's That's another thing they're they're probably just banking on that being really successful (laughs) we don't need these costumed motherfuckers we got kids on bikes in the 80s (laughs) they play dungeons and dragons and are so adorable (laughs) what do you got that's what we got but yeah, weird story, very weird. I was not expecting this. I, I honestly expected like more fan blowback too. Like I, I assumed I would see a petition or something to try and save Luke Cage. But I think everyone else is kind of like, yeah, this might be the end. Yeah, yeah, which is a shame because yeah, it was a really great show, 
uh, great second season. And yeah, I, I want to see it continue on in some form, though. In some form. Now, again, you know, perhaps the silver lining to this is that it's like, okay, you lose your Netflix shows, but maybe now if they haven't been lying out their asses all these years about why the Netflix characters and the movie characters couldn't meet was because of scheduling conflicts. Well, hey, your scheduling conflicts just disappeared. Maybe <laughs> Luke Cage and Iron Fist should show up in Avengers something now. Just, no, show up in like a Spider-Man sequel or something. Mm. That's what we need. We need Spider-Man to meet the Defenders is what we really need. And also, too, hey, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio being very cute on Twitter, actually, when people say, man, you were so good in season three, it makes me sad we'll never see you in a Spider-Man movie, to which D'Onofrio responded, who says? <laughs> exactly, who says? And you have to give him what he wants. <laughs> you really do, because he's big and powerful, but he also has pathos. <laughs> I would love it if Vincent D'Onofrio was like, they're going to put me in this movie one way or another, so he just hides in Tom Holland's closet in his trailer and then comes out and jumps him. <laughs> <laughs> Not on my block. I'm the kingpin. Ultimate Spider-Man <laughs> just starts flipping tables. <laughs> Give the people what they want. And then they have to escort him off set. <laughs> God, he's got such passion and intensity. <laughs> you have to love him, even though he's evil. <laughs> But yeah, that's that Luke Cage news, everyone. Sad news, sad day. Let's let's pour one out for old Carl Lucas. <laughs> one for you, one for me. Yeah. May we meet again, good friend. Uh, another story here, and again, well, I was kind of scraping for news this week. That was the big one. But uh, hey, we saw a little teaser image for that new Watchmen show that's coming to HBO at some point in the future. Yeah, and... It was a police officer in a balaclava, a yellow balaclava. Yep. Cool. <laughs> yeah. You know, that famous image from Watchmen of the policeman in the balaclava. <laughs> yes, the, that iconic image. <laughs> the iconic... Again, you know, you could have done anything, guys. You could have done a blue hand holding, like, a smiley face uh, pin. There's so many great images. Could have just done the pin. <laughs> you could have just done the pin. Heck, you could have done the goggles of Night Owl or something. There's any number of things you could have done from the comics. Well, we see, remember, this takes place after that, so none of that probably exists in this show. Oh, crap, that's right. We're in modern day. Fuck, I keep forgetting. Yeah. <laughs> I keep... Well, I don't think modern day, but, like, after the events of the of the, of the book. <laughs> right, I keep forgetting this Watchmen show is going to be nothing like Watchmen. <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> you see see i'm stupid because i like my adaptation to represent or to at least you know thematically connect to the thing i liked <laughs> and so far it doesn't seem to be doing that no i'm the stupid one i'm sorry <laughs> feel feel free to gif and sound capture that one forever now i'm the stupid one <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah that's really not much to talk about for that story that's that's watchmen everyone yeah, I I don't even know when it's coming out. Neither do I. If it comes out. <laughs> what do you think will come out first, this Watchmen thing, or do you think Doomsday Clock will end? Ooh, that's good. That's a good idea. Well, what if they like coincide? Maybe that's the reason that the the uh, the, the um delays. They want to like, oh, Doomsday Clock is finished, but now you can watch the Watchmen on TV. Possibly. Which, man, it's kind of funny there. It's like Doomsday Clock is a gauge where it's like, so how do people think about the Watchmen characters coming back? Uh, they were really into it at first. 
that a bunch of months went by and now they seem a little less into it every time. <laughs> yeah. Oops. Yeah. Shoulda shoulda thought of that one maybe. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, we have one last piece of news here, and again, this is this is what I like to call from the brand of news uh, I call, you gotta be kidding me, but no, we're not actually kidding you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jack Bannon, an actor I've never heard of, but who sounds like a 1940s police detective, Jack Bannon, on the case. <laughs> Jack Bannon will find that lost girl, but yes, Jack Bannon has been cast as Alfred in the Pennyworth series for Epics. Oh, yeah, that's happening, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's not just a joke from Teen Titans Go! What if we gave Alfred his own franchise? It's actually happening. It's an actual thing. This is like that Aunt May spy thriller that that Sony wanted. Only Sony's like, that's a bad idea, we shouldn't do it, but Warner Brothers is like, we need the Alfred show! <laughs> Why? Like, I, Alfred's an interesting character, but he does not deserve his own TV show. I, you know, I think I think probably the Alfred character tested so well on Gotham that they're like, oh, well, we got to spin this guy off into his own show. <laughs> but not use that actor or any, but have it not any, like, relation to that show at all. Well, yeah, because he's old and cool. We need young and sexy for the epics crowd. I don't know what the epics crowd is, but apparently they like that apparently they do like it man what a what a strange time we live in in what is essentially the superhero tv show arms race where everyone wants one of their own and they don't care what they get yeah they don't care like what it is in terms of like what characters they use like we need an alfred show but that probably won't sell on on uh you know competition with like flash and supergirl and legends of tomorrow and everything no we need an alfred show it's, batman it's gonna work it's gonna work it's batman adjacent they'll watch it cbs yeah. give us secret six we don't know who the secret six is whatever we'll take it Freeform, yeah, uh, batman well, adjacent <laughs> freeform's like what did we get in our mystery box oh cloak and dagger and eh, we'll make it work yeah oh runaways oh okay <laughs> is, is cloak and dagger still on tv did that come and go and did i not pay any it, attention it came and go and so did runaways and i watched probably about three episodes of of them each and just completely forgot about them i think most people did i kept saying like oh yeah i'll go back to runaways at some point or oh, i'll check out cloak and dagger at some point but i didn't and that's the other problem with the superhero tv show arms race there's so many now you're free to ignore some yeah, or you might not even know some exist. Black Lightning, perfect example. I really like the first several episodes of Black Lightning I watched. In fact, people said it's probably one of the stronger CW shows now in terms of drama and writing. Have not gone back to it yet because my plate is too full with so much other stuff. I, I saw it pop up on Netflix for me the other day and I'm like, oh, season two is on? <laughs> Now, here's the thing. What, they're what they really need to do, and I'm shocked they haven't done it yet, they need to find a reason for Black Lightning to cross over with the other ones. They didn't mention that he's going to be involved in the big Elseworlds crossover, but he really should be. Yeah, I don't think I don't think he is involved. Yeah, but yeah, he, he really should be. Have you, have you seen the set photos of those, that, that crossover? Yes, I have. <laughs> it's well, so strange. Yeah, yeah, this is so strange. And Stephen Abel's going to be the Flash, and, and Grant Gustin's going to be the Arrow. They swapped <laughs> costumes, and tell tell everyone your theory you've been running with, because this makes a scary amount of sense. It it does. Okay, so like Flash's new costume obviously doesn't have the chin strap in it. Mm -mm. it they try to make it look a bit more like the comic, but it just doesn't work on Grant Gustin. No. But when you put it on Stephen Abel, it kind of works because he's got a much <laughs> and, more defined chin and a much bigger head. And my theory is they they made that 
in with the intention of using it in the crossover they're like oh well, you will introduce it earlier on so people get used to it and i don't know whatnot so when you see it on Stephen Amell, it kind of makes a bit more sense and everything but yeah i think they specifically made it for him for that but then just wanted to introduce it earlier it makes a scary amount of sense <laughs> it this does. theory Matt. it really does i'm not gonna say i'm certain you're right but i'm certain you're right <laughs> and that it that's does actually it's, why it, it, it admittedly he looks like a better barry allen as well it which is kind of messed up and grant gustin looks like a little boy playing dress up in the green arrow suit that's what i found so strange they let Stephen amell keep his like scraggly beard that he has for for oliver queen um but they didn't let grant gustin grow any like facial hair or anything for the role it's so strange because we know what happens every time he tries to grow a beard it grows in all wispy and weird and they have to like put a fake one on every now and then he looks like a kid going through reverse puberty no offense to grant gustin i like the guy i i can't grow facial hair on this side either grant that's why i don't do it because it comes in patchy and weird (laughs) i don't know what i did to deserve it but it happens yeah, so we we got photos of that. We got photos of a black suit Superman, yeah. which looks really cool. Which obviously is not the return and death of Superman no. suit. It's completely different. Again, know. Elseworld stuff. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what black suit Superman means to the Elseworld, but I'm excited for it. It's probably Justice Lords or something. Oh, well, because I hope they don't do Justice Lords so soon because they already did Evil Nazi Earth 3 ones. That's true. But we didn't get Evil Nazi Superman, though. <laughs> no, we did Maybe that's the leftover. Maybe Evil Nazi Superman's all pissed off about what they did to Earth-3. Maybe, maybe. And so he wants revenge and everything. Or maybe they just go to a universe where it is the death and return of Superman. It's like, yeah, I died and came back and I wear this now. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, it would be fun to see them, like, do a bunch of universe hopping. Yeah, I I think we're going to get a little bit of that. Yeah, and there's also rumors of that, like a Superman show in development at CW. That's right. Which again, it's like it's kind of a no-brainer at this point, guys. Well, like when you when you look at everything, it kind of makes sense. So like they're in, in this crossover, they're introducing Lois Lane. We've obviously got Superman set up. They're introducing Lex Luthor and Supergirl. There's like all these things that are like connecting them. Like oh, you're you're getting ready to like maybe do a Superman show. Also, as much as people don't want to admit it, your movie Superman franchise was a bust. It's dead. It's It's, not happening. (laughs) It's dead. It's dead in the water. People like the guy on TV. Maybe give people a Superman they like. Yeah, and maybe they'll watch it and like it, and it'll be popular. You never know. (laughs) And then maybe one day you can get the stick out of your collective asses and just let the guys from the CW show be in the movies, too. (laughs) Yeah. Again, I don't even love everything about the CW universe, but screw it. They, over their last couple of years, they've managed to build a better, more complete, more interesting universe than the movies did. With like A, a more, more comic-accurate universe yeah, as well. With like a fraction of the budget and filmed entirely yeah. in Vancouver, you filmmakers should be ashamed. Yeah, they'll, they've been able to be a bit more creative because they've had to be creative with the budgets and whatnot. Yep. They sure, sure have. And again, too, apparently the movies want to try and do something with Supergirl now, too, because she's been so popular on television. Yeah, and it won't translate well at all. <laughs> no, that that sounds a little backwards. But, uh, yeah, that's the news from this week, everyone. Not a ton happened, but I think we did a pretty good job stretching for time there, Matt. I think we did. 
I'm pretty proud of that. So I guess without further ado, we can talk about what we read this week. It was actually a decently sized week. It was big, but not too big. I think I might actually finish all my books for once. Yeah, I'm getting actually pretty close to like the end of what I read this past week, as well as my backlog, which I'm very happy about. I'm reaching the bottom of my backlog to Miss Marvel and Deathstroke. Two books I love, but two <laughs> books I have to keep pushing down every new week. Yeah, I I, I I dropped off Deathstroke halfway through that Batman vs. Deathstroke arc because it went nowhere. <laughs> this is the new arc. This is finally them picking up where they left off with him and Arkham. Cool. So that's something to look forward to. I guess the big book this week and one that I know you uh, we both took a look at, at was, of course, uh, Batman number 57, the end of this arc. Yes, the disappointing ending to this uh, arc. What a shame. As I knew it was going to be. I what knew it. What a goddamn shame. Like, Tom King has let me down before, but I was really into it this time, Matt. I really believe. The first two parts of this, this story were really good. Yeah, because they weren't about Batman. They were all about Nightwing. <laughs> yeah, or KGBs. <laughs> or KGBs. Apparently Tom King is great when he's writing anyone but Batman. Yeah, but yeah, they they had a beginning, they had a middle, and they had like a, an end, quote unquote, question mark. Man, did they drop the ball in the end there. And also, too, it's like, you know, we liked this story so much because it's like, wow, you know, Tom King is just telling a story. He's not trying to freak our minds with a bunch of, you know, literary illusions and a bunch of crazy framing devices. <laughs> and this issue is literally nothing but literary illusions and crazy framing devices. The, the, I like what he was writing this. He was, like, writing normally, and then, like, the hand started started writing those literary, and he's, like, trying to stop it, but he can't, and he's just, like, gives in <laughs> i thought you were gonna say he got to the end of this arc and he's like man you know there's like you know actual understandable character motivations here and emotional through lines <laughs> wait a minute i'm tom king fuck that <laughs> i'm super uh, smart and, and like compare compare this to the other two the other two had some had like lots of meaty dialogue yeah. between characters this one had barely any dialogue between any of the characters and again we got back to that whole thing where like Batman gets called Bat, and he calls the villain Beast, and it's going back to that old Bat and Cat thing. Like, why can't people just talk normally? His, <laughs> just his, talk. His worst habits came out again. It's uh, it's so yeah. freaking crazy. Which, again, makes me wonder, hey, were they more worried about the Nightwing getting hurt stuff at DC? Because obviously that feeds into what Scott Labdell is doing. Did they give him a Ghost Rider, or did they give him more notes on this one than they did any other arc before? I think more notes. I think, or like, I think maybe since this issue fifty-seven, I think this is prob. This was probably written just after the whole wedding thing a few months back. So maybe then after that, they're like, okay, no, we got to step in and maybe start doing a bit of uh, our jobs as editors. <laughs> yeah, there's a. I, did Did you watch BoJack Horseman this season, Matt? No, I haven't. No. Okay, so there's a character in BoJack Horseman this season called Flip, who is a writer who reminds me very much of Tom King. <laughs> and people are constantly saying, like, I don't I don't understand what you're doing here. This is just complex for complex sake. It's not actually as smart as you think. And there's a line that really blew me away that I think you could apply to a ton of Tom King stories involving Batman. And that is where Flip yells at Diane and says, Night is an allegory for night! <laughs> <laughs> and in this story, Russian winter is an allegory for Russian winter, <laughs> which is not how allegories work. 
No, no, not at all. Because we get this whole fairy tale story about these animals that fall into a pit and they have to eat each other to survive, except for the clever fox who gets the pig to eat himself, but then the fox dies anyway because of Russian winter. What does any of this have to do with Batman and KGB? Is Batman the fox and KGB's the pig? Is Russia the pit? Are they both in a metaphorical pit? What does any of it mean? It doesn't mean anything. It, yeah, it doesn't mean anything. I, I guess maybe like maybe something to do with maybe Batman leaving KGB's to die. <laughs> Which, okay, let's talk about that now. Batman pulls the Batman Begins. I fucking out have to save you. I just, well, I said in my review, like, he, he, he says, firstly, he says, like, I don't need to you to tell me who who you work for. I'm the world's greatest detective. I'll find out anyway, which, A, is pretty arrogant of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, you're a detective. Why would you not use a lead you have right in front of you? That's bad detective work, right? Yeah, <laughs> you're handica- not a good detective. <laughs> actively handicapping yourself and everything in that situation. Uh, also, too, you know, again, I bring up the Batman Begins scenario where it's like, you know, I, uh, I'm i not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you. Arguably, he was more justified in that situation because Raish was fine and Raish could have saved himself if he was quick enough. Here... Mm-hmm. KG Beast had his neck broken by Batman in a fight with Batman, where Batman then refuses to save him. Yeah, that's murder. Yeah, yeah. Batman deliberately did that. (laughs) That's maybe not murder one, that's maybe like murder two or three if we want to get legal with it. Still murder, though. Yeah, and... how, how, when he inevitably comes back in 10 issues, are they going to explain that KGB's... Oh, who the fuck am I kidding? He's not going to explain how KGB's got out of that. He never explains anything. <laughs> also, and then, then, like, more writers, like, someone else is going to use him in a book from between now and whenever he inevitably comes back, and they're never going to reference this. Oh, of course. As a lot of people in my comment section were quick to bring up, oh, didn't didn't Batman try and kill KG Beast once before in his first appearance? Yes, he locked him underground in a sewer yeah. and he came back. Yeah, it walled him up in, in, in a sewer. Which is hilarious <laughs> to me because I'm like, oh, oh, that means Tom King actually did read a Batman story. He read it and then thought, I can do better, and then he actually did worse. Yeah, I would have killed KG Beast as well. <laughs> yeah, I'll make it stick this time, make it real. <laughs> what what really got me is how many people in my comment section were making excuses for Batman. It's like, well, he's angry because his son was killed. I'm like, okay, one, he wasn't killed. He was fatally injured. Two, if Batman takes out his anger on every villain every time one of his sidekicks gets hurt, then there'll be no one left alive in the Gotham underworld because they're superheroes and they almost die every week. Yeah, and, like, yeah, this Batman is just so goddamn angry. Like, yeah, Dick didn't even die, and he decided, oh, I'll go kill this villain. Also, did we not just have a story uh, where Batman influenced an entire trial because he didn't want <laughs> yeah. people to make him judge, jury, and executioner, and how his ward isn't law, and how people should check him, and how it was yeah. unfair that he beat up Mr. Freeze in a rage and everything, but it's okay for him to leave KG Beast to die in a rage? Yeah, yeah. Again, Tom King... It's one thing that your Batman stories don't have continuity with the rest of the DC universe. Your stories don't even have continuity with your other stories. And it's and it's not as though it was like, oh, that was twenty issues ago. A lot's happened since then. That this was like three issues ago. Give or if ten. that, Give four. Or ten. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. <laughs> but yeah, that was Batman. Everyone loved it right up until the end. 
Yeah, this issue is a huge letdown. Yeah. It's like you were having a, a great cheesecake and then all of a sudden diarrhea. <laughs> I, again, I'm bad at allegories too. I'm not a writer. I don't do it professionally. <laughs> the cheesecake is an allegory for diarrhea. <laughs> mm, it's true. <laughs> Man, I, I wish we titled these episodes still because that would so be the title. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what else did you have, Matt, to eh, clean the taste of that out of the old mouth? Uh, I had Justice League Part 10, Issue 10. Yes, the beginning of the Drowned Earth. Yeah, and it was a really cool beginning as well. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, Snyder, he's definitely playing with the whole Atlantean mythology, and he's really cracked it open and taken it to some interesting places. And what I dig about it is that he's not retreading stuff that other Aquaman writers have done, because at this point they've basically done everything about the history of Atlantis. So I dig mm -hmm. Snyder just being like, okay, but follow me on this one, though. Atlantis is people who, you know, evolved to live in a body of water. There's other bodies of water out in space, so obviously there must be other Atlantean-type people out in space, right, with their own mythology and their own gods and their own heroes. What if space Atlantises came to Earth? Yeah, and, this, and not the first time. They came before, and we get, like, a cool story about one of Atlantis's uh, heroes, Ar Arion. Aaron. Um, I think it's pronounced Orion or Arion. Yeah, okay. It's a little too close to Aryan for me, and especially considering that Aquaman is such a blonde-haired, blue-eyed guy. I'm like, ooh, no, 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 no. It's Aryan. Um, it's Greek. Yeah, these these invaders who want to take the Earth and 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 turn it into their own and put another planet of theirs, or you, like inducted into their their race of people. Water and they they, they want to turn it into yeah, water world. Basically, yeah, yeah, and I I just love like how effective their their forces are like with this like poison water stuff that like the minute it touches you you like turn into like some type of creature from the black lagoon <laughs> and even heroes are susceptible to yeah. it too. poor firestorm got turned into it right away yeah. firestorm a character who should theoretically not be harmed by it because he can change molecules and everything is harmed by it. And also, he's technically two people, so when he got turned into a fish mm -hmm. monster, that's technically two people who got turned into a fish monster. <laughs> I, I laugh, too, because in that scene, because it's like, obviously, we have so many members of the Justice League now. We have, like, the away team and the B team and everything. And it's like, oh, look, it's Aquaman and Wonder Woman on a, on a magical, you know, relic adventure. And, oh, look, they brought Firestorm, too. He must be so happy to have been invited. Oh, look. He's they brought the, the trainee. Yeah. And, oh, he turned out to be the red shirt of that adventure, didn't he? <laughs> Poor Firestorm, uh, don't get no respect, even though he can literally create the Philosopher's Stone and turn matter into other matter. Yeah, yeah, he's one of the most OP heroes ever. Yeah, he never is. Yeah, he's a jobber. Yeah, multiple versions of him, and he's never as powerful as he should be. <laughs> but yeah, you know, this was a really cool start to the beginning beginning of this arc we got introduced to the the villains the ocean deities in the blood reef the blood reef i love that name that's so heavy metal the blood reef yeah um yeah i'm, I'm really interested to see 
where it goes, especially with like all the tie-ins it's getting, yeah, all the interesting tie-ins as well. There's a lot of supplemental material too. I didn't get a chance to read it this week, but I picked up Aquaman because mm-hmm. you get to see what's happening in Atlantis at that time, what's happening with Mira, and how when everything goes to hell, she basically ends up having to recruit Ocean Master to help her because yeah. he's like one of the only ones who's strong enough. Yeah, that that was a really cool issue. I read that as well. Uh, yeah, it was just like seeing seeing Atlantis just like taken blindsided by like this this force that just like overwhelms them completely because Atlantis has been risen from from the ocean, it's above the that. ocean, and then like yeah, it just gets like taken over again by the water. This is also going to be kind of a last hurrah for Dan Abnett on uh, Aquaman because this will be his final arc before uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick comes on in. Oh, this will be a good arc. This will be a good be. arc. It's like, hey, read this and also read Aquaman too, and read Titans because also Abnett is writing that, and Aqualad is on that team. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Tempest. Mm-hmm. No one knows where the other Aqualad is. Yeah. When they when they fucking ruined Titans, they got rid of Calderon. They swept him under the rug. <laughs> also, hey, maybe he's in the Teen Titans Gulag. <laughs> oh, I'm sure he is. Damien's like, I don't <laughs> like you, fish person. <laughs> your continuity is confusing and your fan base is split so you stay here now <laughs> i imagine him doing that also yeah hey the new young justice team can aqualad be on this team no <laughs> bendis isn't gonna write your young justice he's gonna write the young justice he remembers but not really because he's filling it with a bunch of new characters too yeah <laughs> So screw you and the team you wanted. But Benjamin Percy did such a good job bringing Calderam into the universe. Yes, and no one cares. <laughs> Apparently also no one cares what the Bensons are doing now too because they're off Green Arrow in only one arc. Yeah. That's weird. I'm really scared for Green Arrow now because they've grim and grittied up everything else that I used to love at DC right now. Yeah, yeah, it, did. It, it could, and especially after like obviously the death of Roy Harper, like, oh no, <laughs> what are they? Oh no, <laughs> I imagine Didio taking a look at this things and being like, oh, what's uh, what's happening here in Green Arrow right now? Looks uh, yeah, he's just like rubbing his hands, like, yeah. oh, it's perfect, perfect timing. <laughs> looks uh, looks to be a lot of joy and happiness and uh, togetherness, and I mean, serious things are happening, but there's uh, there's signs of joy in there. <laughs> Can't have that, Bensons. You're off yeah. that one. <laughs> Would be a shame if someone were to kill Black Canary. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, it's the time to do that. Time to kill everyone, really. Oh, what's this, Oliver? Booze? Ooh. <laughs> oh, no, no, they're, they're going to mess it around now that uh, Green Arrow is so upset that Speedy is dead. He starts doing heroin now. <laughs> That's where they're going to take it, and I'm going to be so sad. <laughs> It, it it really is hard to imagine that's like, man, DC Rebirth era was so good. Yeah, because it was Jeff Johns pushing back against Dio and Lee and everyone else's bad ideas. <laughs> you shall not pass. <laughs> Even what's happening with Nightwing now reeks of Dioism. Weren't didn't you post oh, a God. panel there where it's like he's holding a gun, but that's not Dick Grayson anymore. That's someone else. Yeah, it's it's a guy called called Rick. He's like a, he was like a cop who thinks that he should be uh, Nightwing, and he gets it completely wrong and just says, "I'm going to be Nightwing, but I'm also going to fucking shoot people." Let me let me blow your mind, Matt. I know for a fact that's a Didioism. He's been pushing that. Oh, of course, he's been pushing that literally since the New Fifty Two. When I interviewed James Tynan 
a long time ago, back when he was supposed to take over the book, and when I interviewed uh, Kyle Higgins when he was just new at DC and when he just left, the plan was always to be, instead of what we actually got, which was uh, Tim Seeley and Tom King turning him into a super spy, the plan was supposed to be that Dick Grayson was going to move to another city, become a cop, like in Dark Knight Rises, and that's what it was supposed to be. That also screams of like, because obviously he's that in Titans at the moment as well. Yeah. Like they pick that, and yeah, it screams. It's this thing screams of like New Fifty Two DCU, that that like time era. Like it's it's edgy and they it's different. They need to shake things up for some reason. Again, Nightwing was perfect. Nightwing had actually gotten back a lot of his respect and had actually gotten a great new status quo because of Tim Seeley. And then here comes the Dio, and it's like, you know who I always hated, Nightwing. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I need to fix that's not broken? Nightwing. <laughs> you, know, you know who we're going to have to fix once this is all done? Nightwing. <laughs> that's my question. Because they didn't say how long Lavdell is going to be on this book for. It sounds like indefinitely. Oh, well, that's the thing. He's usually on books for quite a while because for some reason people love him. <laughs> I have and, no idea why. And also, Labdell and DiDio are like this. They're boys. Them and Bob Harris. They're like the old boys club of DC. So I imagine this is like a Hitman style situation. It's like, who can I hire to kill Nightwing and ruin him from the bottom? Hey, Scott, <laughs> buddy, I got some work for well, you, buddy. It, it gets even worse. Like, there's more like New 52 stuff because obviously in Sideways, which is obviously a, a DiDio, you know, brainchild, uh, we, we, just had, we just had the New 52 Superman come back, the one with the jeans and everything. It's a Dark Universe version, but it's coming back. <laughs> Again, too, all those New Age of Hero books that are sticking around now, they're all just the ones Dio likes. And again, Sideways. Oh, yeah, more got cancelled as well, like, yes. in the last couple of weeks. I think there's, like, Sideways, and I think yeah. Damage is sticking around because he's joining the Justice League. Uh-huh. I don't... Or something, I have no idea. Which I'm sure Scott Snyder will never mention in his series. <laughs> it would never appear. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's enough shitting on Dio for a little bit. What uh, what else did we have this week, Matt? That was an interesting tangent. Uh, we had Daredevil at issue six hundred and nine. We did the beginning of the death of Daredevil. Yeah, and really, really cool beginning. Very much so. I like they introduce a new mystery villain who is like church themed, and I think that's really clever. Why does Daredevil not have more church themed villains? Because he's a Catholic who dresses like the devil. He should have a villain who's his polar opposite. Yeah, that that was that was really interesting. And I I like it. Like I, I haven't personally been reading Daredevil, but I picked this arc up because it, it seemed like a good jumping on point. Yeah. Um but like the the whole thing about like how Matt almost dies being hit by a car and everything. I get all that, but like, why is that one single, admittedly small event in Daredevil's history the thing that makes him go, "Hang on, we need to sort of change what we're doing and start a war with with Wilson Fisk." Well, because that's what the last arcs uh, before this were dealing with. He had assembled okay. that team of Reader, Frank, yeah, yeah, and I, Cipher. I knew that. Yeah, yeah. It just seems to. like strange to me that like this one event was the thing that kind of made him go, "Like, oh, we don't live long." in this profession we need to like do a war with it i'm like you fought all these things you've been possessed by demons and all this stuff why is this being hit by a career truck the thing that like turns you you this way makes you serious (laughs) well i have two theories on this i'm actually glad you mentioned that matt uh one i think it could be because charles soul is making an obvious parallel to how daredevil got his powers in the first place 
only mm-hmm. where this truck didn't spray chemicals in his eyes, this one didn't kill him. I think he's finally realizing, oh, I've cheated death a lot before. I won't be able to keep cheating death. Maybe I should do something with it. And also, here's here's my outside the box theory. I think Matt Murdock died on the table, and this is all a dream. Ooh, that that'd be interesting. I think he died right away, and this is his ideal. Like, if I could finish things, yeah, this is how I'd finish it. That'd be cool. I I said in my review, I thought like, or maybe like the whole truck thing. Maybe that's like, like there is no reason to it. Like it is just a small thing. Like he's fought all these things, and it was like a truck that hit him. That like of all the things, like it was that that right. one thing, the thing no one knew or saw coming. And that a truck should have killed him originally back when he was a kid. So I think that was yeah. a nice full Ooh. circle thing. Also, that'd be pretty cool. Maybe too, this is all like taking place in his mind as he's having like a coma fantasy. And maybe if he does come out of it, he decides the exact opposite that the only way I can take down Fisk is not as a vigilante, but as Matt Murdock, which is why the book stops being Daredevil and just becomes Matt Murdock, Man Without Fear. That'd be interesting, yeah. I hope I'm not right, but I feel like I <laughs> might be right because I've read enough Charles Soule's book now. That I think I can actually kind of guess his moves. Yeah, that that's true. Yeah, that that did be kind of kind of cool. Then we also get the extra wrench in it that his brother Mike Murdoch is running around now. Mm, mm. He could become Daredevil. I think Mike Murdoch is actually the dude in the church garb. Oh, that that's good. Good idea. Yeah, because he could be because he hooked up with the hood and with Kingpin, and I could imagine the hood like training him and giving a, b- a bunch of stuff. And now he wants revenge on Daredevil, and that's what he's gonna do. That'd be interesting. Plus, in that situation too, you could do the great moment of twinsies to be like, "Oh, they're genetically the same. Which one died? Did Matt die or did Mike die?" Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Again, I think Charles Soul like you don't bring back the identical twin brother if you weren't planning on doing something <laughs> crazy like that. That's true, yeah, yeah. Where yeah, that's gonna be the end of the story. It wasn't Matt who died, it was Mike. <laughs> but much like in the show, he has to let people think he died for some reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like to Daredevil revealing his identity to his team that he's put together, because again, that's another thing Charles Soul is paying off in this run, because mm-hmm. in the beginning he had used the purple children to make everyone forget that he was ever Daredevil, and now he's mm-hmm. starting to trust people again with his secret identity. Yeah, and I, I, I do like Rita's um, reaction to that. It's like, are, are you really blind, or is that just all put on? <laughs> <laughs> you got your tricks, Reader. I got mine. <laughs> That's fun. I like that Charles Soule teamed him up with another fun blind guy. Yeah. Uh, what else did I have this week? Ooh, I had Venom Annual number one, the first ever Venom Annual. Ooh, how was that? Ooh, actually. Oh, not, not good? <laughs> no, it wasn't. Here's the thing. I respect what Cates was trying to do. He was giving a love letter to old Venom from before he started writing and, you know, actually making it good. <laughs> So it was all like shout outs to Lethal Protector and all the San Francisco miniseries and everything that he had before. In fact, they even got a bunch of old Venom artists to come back and draw this. Yeah. It's also a shameless ripoff of Almost Gotham in the framing device. Yeah. It's a bunch of villains <laughs> at the bar with no name telling Venom stories. Okay. And then Venom shows up at the end because he was actually in the bar all along. Oh, so this must take place before the Amazing Spider-Man when the bar blew up. 
again, it's got to take place before that, and also it's implied Venom might have killed a bunch of people, even though some of those villains were a pretty big name, and I don't think they would have <laughs> let him kill the Scorpion or the Shocker. And no. also, And also, why is the Venom symbiote killing people? Because Eddie's trying to be a good guy and everything. Yeah, it's just a lot of stuff that didn't make sense and didn't add up and was honestly not good enough to be the first ever Venom annual, in my opinion. Oh, that sucks. Especially since, like, after, like, you, what you've been telling me about the actual dead, uh, the actual Venom book. Oh, I've been gushing about it. It's been excellent. In the issue previous to this, uh, Venom gets picked up by a secret organization that's working for the government trying to round up all the symbiotes and try and control them. But guess who runs this organization? Who's that? The Maker. Ooh, really? Yes, from the Ultimate Universe, Donnie oh. Bates is using the Maker. And the Maker says, hey, yeah, here's the thing. I've been working in secret. This this is just my day job. I'm actually part of a much bigger evil cabal. This is just like a little side project for me. Uh, I always wondered what happened to the Maker. I was like, oh, I wonder if he's going to be a Fantastic Four villain. Mm, he's a Venom villain now, apparently. That's so cool. The, the last issue, issue seven, is literally just the maker interrogating Venom and saying, like, I'm so smart, I know stuff about your symbiote even you don't know. <laughs> Case in point, uh, you know that green slime around Venom's mouth? Yeah. Uh, according to the maker, that's how the suit filters its excrement. Oh. <laughs> so that's literally shit around his mouth, according to the maker. <laughs> Uh, he also says that the symbiote, when it feels threatened, can delete memories from Eddie's mind, and it has been. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so, Eddie can't trust his suit now because it's just been deleting shit from his brain. <laughs> like the fact that Flash Thompson died. He forgets that Flash Thompson died, even though he was at his funeral. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ve Venom, the main series, going interesting places. Venom, the annual, pfft, not so much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Again, Venom, he works when you move forward. Don't don't go back and get nostalgic. The the old stuff wasn't actually as good as we thought it was. Yeah. It also reminded oh, me that's a shame. It is. It also reminded me way too much of the movie because it's always like Venom in San Francisco. What's Venom doing now? Yeah. <laughs> the Life Foundation. In stuff. Yeah, stuff. Stuff I did not care about. Uh, what else did you have, Matt? Uh, we're just keeping with Spider-Man. I had Peter Parker, Spectacular Spider-Man, issue 311. Uh, is this uh, tying to Spider-Man? Spider-Geddon Spider tie-in shows, like, I, I had people ask me in my last Spider-Geddon reviews, like, what's happening with Peter Parker? I'm like, oh, I'm glad you asked, because <laughs> it gets answered in this. So he basically gets beaten around New York by Maul and the Inheritor. <laughs> this is That's all this issue this is. It, it, the Inheritor makes its way to New York, finds peter and just beats the shit out of him for the whole issue <laughs> so the more things change the more things stay the same spider-man getting beaten up by morloon yeah and while uh while he is getting uh beaten up he calls jameson and asks him to go find uh the watch that allow him to connect with the web warriors and like sort of get back up and stuff so while we see peter just getting the shit beat out of him we have jameson obviously looking through his room getting in the watch gets in the watch but then more than just like destroys it instantly <laughs> yeah sounds about right i've been completely ignoring spider again but you sound like you enjoyed this it's it's a really cool event i'm, I'm really liking it. I, I i had to keep reminding myself of this i'm like okay yeah i gotta remember that jameson knows who peter is now yeah. i keep forgetting that they like sort of uh revealed his identity to him because i'm so used to him hating spider-man yeah that was probably the best issue Chip Zdarsky wrote, the issue where Peter finally comes clean to Jameson about who he actually yeah. is. 
I read that issue. It was really cool. It's really, really solid. Uh, what else did I have going on? Ooh, I had the new Thor this week. I did too. How awesome was it? This was epic. This is like Jason Aaron being like, ooh, ooh, you think over the last six years I've been writing this book, you think I'm slowing <laughs> down, huh? You think I'm running out of cool shit to show you? Well, guess what? <laughs> I've got even more stuff. It's cool. Is like this sort of sets up like this This all could happen if I'm allowed to write the book for another six years. <laughs> yeah, we could get to this point. We could just get King Thor all the time. But yeah, Doctor Doom comes to the destroyed Earth of the far flung future with all the powers he's got all of them now the the only one he doesn't have is the phoenix force that's literally all he doesn't have and the odin force slash mjolnir but we don't know if he actually wanted those or not no (laughs) the the odin force is kind of uh, vague and obscure as to what it is i know thor used the thor force once upon a time and you can only pick up mjolnir if you're worthy but you figure all his other powers could trump that yeah but yes he wants that he starts messing up king thor's new earth where he's basically god of and he's created like a new adam and eve and everything so he has to join forces with old man phoenix to fight overpowered dr doom oh it was so cool it was it's just such a just a cool fight yeah just over the top in every way it's basically anime it really is it is it's jojo it's Jojo's so, Bizarre Adventure. It's so fucking Jojo. You see, Doom's stand was too strong, so Old Man Phoenix and King Thor had to combine their stands to become King Phoenix the Thunderbird. <laughs> and even then, him and Doctor Doom fight for like a thousand years underground. Yeah, in a volcano. That's so cool. And then when Thor comes back, it's a major moment, because it's like, oh god, return to us, everyone. It's the second coming of Thor. Uh, yeah, that was so cool. <laughs> And then just to really top it off, it's like, hey, what happened to Loki and the Necro Sword that Gore the God Butcher used, again, six real-world years ago in Jason Aaron's first Thor story? Oh, he's back now, only now he's Loki the All Butcher, or Loki the Necro yeah, God. The end. The end. And I, I, I really like how, how they like portrayed how he got that. He was just like a little worm, and all he did was like annoy Ego into like killing himself. Classic Loki. That's so cool. It's funny. I know some people were actually turned off by this story because they're like, well, where? why aren't we moving forward anymore? And I'm like, ooh, you just picked up with Thor number one, didn't you? You don't know this King Thor story has literally been going on for six <laughs> yeah. years since back when Jason Aaron first started writing this. Yeah. <laughs> and that we still go back to it every so often. Apparently the next arc is actually going to focus on young Thor again. We're going back to him. That's cool. I, I like that how we get like a story with old King Thor, then we get like young, sort of brash, arrogant Thor, then we've got like the like what what we had in like the first couple issues, which is like hero Thor, superhero Thor. He suits it really well because he's a hero who's been around for thousands of years, who probably won't die for millions of years, so you can tell a three pronged story of him at different pieces in his life. Yeah, it's so cool. Also, too, I get the feeling for War of Realms, which is the mega event for Thor they're building up to. I'm going to guess Thor is probably going to travel through time again and get his young self and older self to come back and help out. Oh, yeah, you know that's happening. Or, because, again, they seek to imply that King Thor died in the future. Maybe uh, superhero him from the modern era has to go to the future to help out the Thunder Sisters, because obviously they've traveled back and forth and they've met younger Thor. Yeah, it's some really cool stuff happening. I, I'm so glad we're actually finally getting War in the Realms as well. <laughs> and that it's its own event. Yeah, yeah, it's not just like a, a, a story arc. 
I feel like that's a special video you and I are going to have to make, Matt. The lead up to War of Realms, what did you miss so far? Oh, God, a big two-hour-long video. It's only six years <laughs> With of charts and pie graphs. And... Yeah, hey, it's only six years' worth of content, everyone. I reviewed every issue, although, like, the first couple years are all missing because they were owned by name redacted and got deleted. <laughs> but still, I, I've read everyone and I've covered everyone, and every year Jason Aaron's Thor has ended up on my best of the year list, and I don't think this year will be any different if he keeps turning in no. like this. Yeah, it's just so good how you know he's been consistent throughout the whole run. I don't think there's ever been a bad issue, no. or if there has been, it's been like bad because, like, oh, it you know, some little thing, like maybe the art wasn't good, but even then the art is amazing. Because it was in service to something else. I think the weakest story I remember, and I barely remember it, it was, uh, what is it, something about the Roxxon soldiers needing a dragon's heart so they could become like super Roxxon soldiers. Oh, yeah. And that yeah, got yeah. like brushed away, but again, I didn't care because the next arc was awesome. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so that that was Thor. Everyone continues to be wicked. Catch catch the fever and catch on up before War of Realms. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Which you know is going to be three books. It's going to be Thor. It's going to be As Guardians of the Galaxy, and it's going to be the Avengers because Jason Aaron writes at least two of those. Yeah, and whatever else like tie-ins and stuff. Whatever else touches it, which you know is going to be good. Mm. Uh, I have two more books. What do you have? Uh, I had Green Lanterns issue 57, which is the final Green Lanterns book. Did it go out in style at least? It went out in style. It went out in style with Cyborg Superman trying to destroy Co City again. Ah, the dick. Yeah, so he, he comes there and he says he's going to finish what he started 26 years ago. <laughs> uh, obviously, Howard Jordan had something to say about that. Yeah, and it's just like him fighting. Well, it's even better is they kind of made Cyborg Superman OP this time because they gave him the Phantom Ring. But he didn't know how to use it, as Hal said. Like, he's never trained with it, so he, he he's, his advantage is actually his disadvantage. Not the first time he's become a lantern either. No, no. Um, so, yeah, he, he ends up fighting Hal and, like, a bunch of uh, lanterns, one of which is the Daxamite Sodom Yat, who finally came back and, and actually fought him, which is really cool, because it was like Superman fight, fighting Superman. Um, Fitting, too, for Dan Jurgens to tell this story, too, because yeah. he invented Cyborg Superman and told the story where he, like, destroyed all of Coast City. Yeah, but he doesn't actually end up destroying it, because he, he, he managed to escape with the Phantom Ring, so we don't know where he's gone. Mm. Uh, he, just, he just escapes. Uh, and then, yeah, it's just kind of like a cleanup, I guess, readying for uh, Grant Morrison's run. And we know we find out that Oa has been secretly being reconstructed by the Guardians ever since its destruction ages ago, ages ago. Because um, we got to bring back the status quo because we're getting a clean yep. writer. Yep, Simon and Jessica end up splitting up their team because obviously it goes out into space to be on Justice League Odyssey. Join the uh, well, team. Yeah, well, Simon goes back to Earth to be in nothing. <laughs> That's a real shame that he's just in nothing. I'm like, really, all these teams and you can't put him anywhere, huh? Yeah, I, I really wish they did. This series did him so well that he's like really a did. completely different character than the New 52 Simon. He got an amazing run. He actually got interesting. I liked the buddy cop dynamic. Yeah, so, and then, yeah, the book just leaves in, in a place ready for, for Grant Morrison's run, which basically kind of resets the the uh green lanterns back to like what they are they're 
back on Mogo, the, the Lantern Corps, they've got the Guardians. It's all set for his run now. Yeah, they're space cops. Everything you remember to be true yeah. is true now. Yeah, pretty much. Which, again, hey, good jumping on period. I know I haven't read a Green Lantern story in forever, not for lack of trying, but I'm definitely going to see what Grant Morrison's got for it. Oh, yeah, I'm really excited for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also had uh, Justice League Dark number four, the third part of the Witching Hour crossover. I haven't read this yet, but I've been enjoying this Witching Hour crossover. It's good. It's strong. Uh, James Tynan has some really interesting ideas on display here. I especially like all the deep cuts he has for magical characters. Yeah, yeah. He's been pulling pulling them out of the woodwork. We see Witchfire and Manitou Dawn and Black Orchard <laughs> and so many other characters. It's like, hey, remember these? Yeah, these people exist. You don't remember them because these haven't existed for like 20 years. <laughs> we get a whole fight scene in Nanda Parbat, and I'm like, hell yeah, Nanda Parbat. I love that place. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been such a great series. And I, I like as well, Dr. Fate is like a villain. Yes, that's a really nice touch too. We haven't seen him in a bit, but yeah, he's, no. he's a villain now. Yeah. Which makes him way more interesting in my opinion. It does, doesn't it? Where it's like, man, he's so powerful, but imagine if you turn that power in the other direction. Yeah, it's like, oh god, no, don't do that, no. Now, now, settle a question here for me, Matt. I actually wrote the writer on this one, and he didn't get back to me. I keep catching hell for how I pronounce the witch goddess's name. How do you pronounce it? Hecate. Hecate. See, I say Hecate, I say Hecate, I say so many other things. Hecate is another one I've heard. Or if you want to get really Greek with it, Ekade, you drop the H. <laughs> I've, I've heard it heard it actually pronounced by people with Hecate. Hecate, you see. And that's how they that's how they sound it in like the first issue. They actually have it in its like in its syllables. Hecate. <laughs> see, I say Hecate too, because that's how Shakespeare said it. Yeah. But I keep getting hell from uh, Greek snobs. Apparently, I'm saying it wrong. <laughs> well, that's how, like, we've been told to say it. That's so, so how I'm going to say it. Look, look James Tynan, if you're listening to the show, you need to you need to weigh in on this one, <laughs> writer of the book. How do you pronounce it? <laughs> I've, I've literally turned it into a bit in my videos where it's like, you know what? I'm just going to say it wrong every time. I'm going to say it a different way every time, and I'll have to get it right at some point. <laughs> But yeah, that uh, that was Justice League Dark. That's a fun book. I'm liking that. That's cool. I got one more book, and that was the recent DC Halloween book, The Cursed Comics Cavalcade. I completely missed this one, but apparently there was a lot of content in it. There was, there, there was like, I want to say 10, 12 stories, oh, wow. short stories uh, in this. Uh, I reviewed three of them, but I read the whole book, and it was all fantastic. I read the Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman ones, and they were all fantastic the superman one is superman's being like uh put under like sleep paralysis by zadu the first uh prisoner of the phantom zone uh and sort of like plagued by him and he's got to stop him the, the batman one is one i really want like a black label book about it it's called gorehound and it's batman stopping what he thinks is a or what he knows is a killer who's recreating famous killings from slasher films oh. uh and it turns out to be not the villain not the killer he thinks it's this the girl who's the the quote-unquote final girl uh as that they have in these movies who, who's going around killing and everything that was a really cool one yeah, like what? In the woods. i like the sound of that yeah 
Wonder Woman one I wasn't too big on, mainly because this was in a horror book, but this wasn't really a horror-centric story. It was just Wonder Woman fighting, like, a, uh, a mythical siren who was, like, snatching people from fishing villages. That wasn't, like, the actual witching arrow event is a bit more horror-centric than it this really one was. Is. Still a really cool book. It was just like, just, but it was just like a normal Wonder Woman book. That sounds cool. I might have to check that out yeah. now. I I like Batman versus slasher villains. Oh, it was so cool. It was so cool. <laughs> right on. Uh, uh, two books, actually, but this is kind of one. I'll turn them into thing. Uh, I've been reading more X-Men now, Matt, than I have in a long time. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, I had two this week. I've been keeping up with the X-Men Black series, which are little spotlight issues for villains, and I had Astonishing X-Men this week as well. Cool. I've been wanting to read the black the black issues, but um, I'm I'm like so far behind on like X Men Red and X twenty three that I need to catch up on them first before I end up picking up anything else. Here's the thing: the X Men Black ones are beautifully self contained. They're one and mm-hmm. done, so you don't even need to know anything. I did see that Magneto one, and that looked really cool. That one was really good, really topical. Chris Claremont did that, and it was literally Magneto needs to save a bunch of mutant children who are being detained in a border town. Oh, cool. Again, super topical. The Mojo one fucking surprised me, because it's Mojo hanging out with Glob Herman and making friends and maybe learning (laughs) that maybe he shouldn't be such a bad guy. (laughs) It's great, too, because they update Mojo's character, because where before it's like, oh, he's he's an embodiment of the comic industry's relationship with Hollywood. Then that didn't make sense anymore, because the comic industry loves Hollywood now. Oh, he's Mm an indictment of reality TV. Well, that doesn't work anymore either, because reality TV isn't really getting indicted anymore. Now they actually turn him into the whiny embodiment of shitty fan culture. (laughs) But only for the first little bit, because then the whole adventure is about him making friends and realizing that the X-Men aren't so bad. (laughs) But like for the first couple pages, he goes on a tirade about, oh, I hate all these new X-Men. I hate all these new additions and everything. X-Men was so much better in my day. (laughs) And I'm like, nice, nice. That fits really well, actually. Uh, Yeah. But this new one is all about Mystique. And it's funny, the Magneto and Mojo one were kind of them fighting against type and being more heroic. Mm -hmm. This Mystique one is just her being the worst person all the way through. Yeah. She lies, cheats, steals, uh, takes people's identities, and then frames a completely innocent mutant teen for a bunch of crimes she committed, including murder. Oh, fantastic. She's just super (laughs) evil, and I'm like, man, Mystique is such a cool villain, it's a shame they haven't written her like this in years. I hope they keep writing her like this. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because thanks to, like, the movies, they've been trying to, like, make her, like, a sympathetic, like, anti-hero or hero straight up hero yeah i'm glad they're actually writing her as like a scumbag villain again like the worst scumbag where it's like wow it's not even that you're evil it's that you have no morality whatsoever yeah like 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 the whole internal monologue of this issue is she's like you know i can be whoever i want i'm the greatest actress in the world i'm the greatest showwoman. i do stuff just to test my skills sometime i am the star everyone else is a prop in my play to be disposed of when i'm done with them (laughs) and i'm like jesus christ that's horrifying yeah that's like and again too she's like i have all this money i don't need to do these things i do but i do them anyway (laughs) 
Yeah, I, I just wonder because it's fun. Yeah, because I'm a friggin' sociopath, and I'm like, holy shit, this is ob- absolutely terrifying. Because she's like, yeah, I can get you at any time, and I can find you anywhere because I can change my face. People don't think it's a cool power like being able to bend metal or manipulate minds, but still, you should really be afraid of me. Yeah, yeah. It's good shit. Oh, that sounds pretty cool. It is. They're, they're all really good. Juggernaut is next. Oh, oh, that'll be cool. I I wonder, because I always thought Kane Marco was a more interesting character than they ever gave him credit for. I wonder if this will showcase how evil he is, or if they'll show, like, maybe he has some ennui. That'll be interesting. I'm interested to see, like, maybe they'll say, like, oh, he's kind of misunderstood, but, like, the, the, um, the Stota Sitarak is the thing that, like, 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 messes with his mind and makes him, like, evil and stuff. Right, because obviously he has like a lot of interesting pathos there, being uh, Charles Xavier's stepbrother and everything, yeah. and how his dad loved Xavier more. You can make him sympathetic. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the other last one I had was Astonishing X-Men. Loving this book. This is the secret six of X-Men books easily. <laughs> yeah. Because it's funny, and it's dealing with so many heroes who need their images rehabbed. Uh, the The team is getting tortured by the government. They're actually fighting the mm-hmm. government, which they can do because technically uh, Havoc's team isn't, uh, isn't recognized by the X-Men as an official X-Men team. <laughs> <laughs> so they can get away with it. And there's a great running gag throughout this where Beast is like, No, stop torturing my teammates. I will join you, evil people. To which his teammates continually bust his balls, being like, why Why do you always join the evil team, Beast? Why Why, when the going gets tough, is that your first instinct every time? <laughs> and it's true, like the last five major <laughs> X-Men story, Beast is like, I will join the morally dubious team. I will join the bad team. <laughs> Comes a point when we think, Hank, you might just want to do that. <laughs> Uh, also, too, uh, they get the Reavers involved. Uh, the, the Reavers actually get their image rehabbed a lot, too, because uh, the Reavers were getting tortured by this same military outfit, but they steal a virus that lets them interface with any form of technology, including Sentinels, so at the end they hijack a bunch of Sentinels and start rampaging in them. Oh, that's always fun. Yeah, that is fun. It's just a cool cool story. It's funny. You get to see a lot of characters who don't get a lot of love finally getting some love and actually starting to matter again, and I really like that. Oh, that's cool. But yeah, so that was Astonishing X-Men, and is that everything this week, Matt? Is that everything we had to talk about? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sorry for the lighter week, everyone. That just kind of happened in these times in between conventions and in between big news outbreaks. Uh, Hopefully when we see you again, we'll be talking about Daredevil. Again, I don't know where that's going to be because of my trip and everything, but we will definitely try to get an episode out to you as soon as possible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think people are really going to like us talking about it. There's a lot to talk about it in there that is. show. Again, I'm only five episodes deep, but yeah, there's a lot to uh, a, a lot to jump in on. Heck, if, I'll say this right now. If it can keep the momentum that it has right now, it might be the best of the Netflix shows. It, it really does. There's one episode that I, I personally didn't skip, but I would say you probably could skip it and not like miss anything. Um but yeah, it's got one of those filler episodes, but yeah, every other episode is just perfect, including the ending. The ending is perfect. Nice. Well, heck, without spoiling too much, I just got to the point where they give the quote-unquote origin of Bullseye. Mm-hmm. And I laugh because, you know, Bullseye to me has always been a character like the Joker where he's scary because you don't know that much about him. Mm-hmm. 
This one goes the other way completely and does give an origin and actually draws on several things from the comics I was not expecting. Like his background is a baseball player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it draws on quite a fair bit of it. I was not expecting that. They have some interesting little twists with him where I'm like, okay, this isn't the mysterious bullseye from the comics, but I see how he works in this world. And, you know, you make him creepy <laughs> and you make him do these little asshole-ish things where I'm like, all right, all right, I can see this guy becoming something akin to that character. Yeah, yeah, they, they've done really good job. With them. And I like how they portray him, like, slowly going insane with that, like, that sound, that, like, white noise sound. Yeah. They use those tapes that um, uh, to drown it out. Another thing that I appreciated is obviously in the comics, some of Bullseye's most famous images and some of his most evil actions are him brutalizing women. And this show mm -hmm. actually goes out of its way to kind of explore where, okay, well, why is that, though? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, they give it, give it a reason why. <laughs> yeah, why does he give the ladies such a particularly hard time? And I'm like, okay, you know, that's that's a good place to build a supervillain from, actually. Mm-hmm. And it gives a chance for Fisk to show how smart he is by trying to manipulate him and turn him from the inside out and being like, okay, what does this guy need me to be and how can I become that guy? Yeah, yeah. I'll flatter him, I'll become a father figure, I'll become all these other things. I'm like, oh, that's interesting too. Mm-hmm. Because Kingpin and Bullseye always did have an interesting relationship in the comics. My assumption was always just uh, Bullseye loved money, Kingpin always paid, and that's why he always showed up. And then when his rivalry with Daredevil started, it became more personal. So it's fun to see them kind of turn that and maybe try and find a hidden layer in why uh, Bullseye always comes back to Kingpin time and time again. It, it's definitely very interesting. It gets even more interesting as you go on without like spoil, spoiling it and all that. Um gets to a place where like bullseye kind of thinks he's 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 like uh what's his name what's that guy isn't it wesley mm. he think he thinks he's king kingpin's new wesley right. kingpin maybe doesn't think he is <laughs> right because he doesn't respect him the same way he respects wesley because you was a cop yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> I can't respect no cop. Man, D'Onofrio just owns in this season. Like, again, he always owns, but, man, every time he's on screen. Yeah, he's, he's a big presence. He really is. Like, he has just found out how to make that character. Mm-hmm. How to make that character his own. And I'm like, man, I really hope you do get to be in a Spider-Man movie one day. <laughs> oh, that would be great. I really want to see you throwing around Tom Holland and be like, you don't know who you're messing with. <laughs> Uh, you fought guys in costumes, I'll ruin your whole goddamn life. <laughs> As he attempts to destroy Daredevil's life in this. Oh, yeah, and he pretty much succeeds. Which is very true to the comics, too, because every time you're reading a new Daredevil run, it's like, okay, what what time this year will Kingpin come back and try and ruin everything Matt loves? <laughs> yeah, it's, getting, it's, it's getting close to November, you know what time it is. <laughs> you know what time it is, it's time to ruin Daredevil's life o'clock. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, everyone, that's the show for this week. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you're a patron, you'll get to listen to this show first before anyone else. Over on the Patreon page, you can become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. Helps support me, helps support Matt, helps keep this show up on SoundCloud and iTunes, where you yep. can listen to them. Usually the day after, uh, the video version premieres here on YouTube, 8 p.m. Wednesday. Sorry, 8 a.m. Wednesday, not 8 p.m. I'm tired. <laughs> 
it's, it's been a big day. I had a big day. You can find that one there. Obviously, you can find uh, links to all of my work and Matt's stuff in the description. So, you know, do that.